0: Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go alongside our co-host, David Go. here. Uh, today, we're really, really excited to cover, of course, World Series, which just completed. Talk about some takeaways as well as the controversial move Kevin Cash, of course, taking out Blake Snell in game six, kind of a unique time. You don't see it a lot where, you know, baseball hits the spotlight of all sports, partly probably timing, of course, NBA, not in session right now. Uh, But of course, that was really controversial, played a big role in game six. And then besides that, uh, more specifically for the Brewers, Brewers announced some club options, made some decisions uh, with some bigger guys, big names, um, potentially somewhat surprising. So we'll get into that more as well. And then other, other than that, also some baseball news around some managers and some other notable names, uh, club options declined as well. So I have some stuff to cover today. And before we get into our trivia question of the day, any thoughts that you want to share, David, before we hop in?
0: Yeah, I think it was interesting watching the World Series a little bit, seeing I thought that it wasn't quite as much fanfare around the World Series this year as there is a normal year and I'm sure that's partly because it was a shortened season there were of course only about 11,000 fans um, and even beyond that some fans were like chuck it up and and get back at it next year and that's when it'll really matter which I can kind of understand that uh, so I thought that it was a little bit interesting. Also, uh, Rob Manfred talking at the end was... Talking, was that? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure what was going on in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, someone was saying maybe he was using a teleprompter and it was not working well. I personally don't think that that's the case. It's possible, but I don't think so. I think it. I think what's most likely is that he probably wasn't really with it. It was probably... I'm sure it didn't help that he was getting booed by all the fans there. And it's also, I'm sure, been a rough year. They're $8 billion in debt right now. He had to figure out all the, the, the logistics behind the season, figuring yeah. out. And he probably was also dealing with the Turner COVID test, yeah. um, positive test. And Turner came back out on the field soon before that. He might have been distracted by that also.
1: Yeah, a lot on his mind and a lot on his shoulders as, uh, of course, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. But, yeah, it was a, a little bit of a strange video. If you haven't seen it already, just head over to our Twitter page at Brewers Podcast. And uh, I'm sure you can find that video of Manfred just really stumbling through his words, not really sure what was going on there. Uh, But before we get further into the World Series, first I would like to cover our trivia question of the day. Our trivia question of the day is, who was the last Brewer starting pitcher to uh, be named an All-Star? So be thinking on that one, who was the last Brewer starting pitcher to be named an All-Star? And as always, we will cover the answer at the end of the podcast. So just be thinking about that as we go through. But you know, back to back to the World Series. You know, of course, Dodgers winning that in six. First thing we got to talk about, Blake Snell, seventy-three pitches in, couldn't have, couldn't have been pitching better. Uh, was looking looking outstanding, and then of course gave up a single to uh, Smith, I believe, and and Cash comes out and pulls him. Snell, of course, was not happy. Uh, debate uh, followed. Uh, what what do you think about that,
0: David? I thought he was lifted too early. It was actually Austin Barnes who was their other catcher who did hit the single, and he was hitting ninth back around to the top of the order. But part of the reason why I didn't like it, of course, Snell was pitching so well. He'd only allowed two hits, nine strikeouts, no walks at that point through five and a third innings. Against the best offense in baseball. Right. In the biggest
1: spot. Yeah, that was huge. Snell
0: was amazing, yeah. And not to mention that um, he would have faced Betts, who was considerably worse against lefties this year and even in previous years. Seager, who's worse against lefties. Two out of those three hitters, um, you do have a platoon advantage with Snell throwing their left-handed pitcher. And in addition to that, Nick Anderson has not looked good this postseason. He has been a little bit of a victim of bad luck, but Anderson has not been good. Even though he was one of the best relievers in baseball, both this year and last year, I did not think that he was the guy to go to, especially lifting Snell at that point for Anderson.
1: I personally didn't like it, as did many others. Yeah, I think the general consensus was that uh, was that Snell was pulled far too early. Uh, but it is it is interesting. I mean, the Rays re- pretty much stick to their plan, keeping their starting pitchers in for two times through often and relying on that bullpen more, which has been very successful. And it's a balance between, you know, riding a guy, because like you said, Snell couldn't have been pitching better and did have some potentially favorable matchups. On the other hand, Mookie Betts, one of the best hitters in the game still. So I, I do see the argument for bringing in Anderson, Um, would you have preferred them go to a different arm rather than Anderson? Well, I would have preferred them to keep,
0: uh, keep Snell in the game. Uh, but I didn't, I did not think that Anderson was the guy I thought one of their other late inning guys, whether it be Castillo or Fairbanks, um, even, even Ryan Thompson, maybe I thought, I thought that any of those other late inning options would have been better than Nick Anderson.
1: Yeah. Anderson was outstanding during the the shortened season, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm not as opposed to bringing in Anderson. I know he hadn't been the best in the bullpen uh, in the postseason, but personally, I I look more at the sample size of the of the season um, as opposed to the postseason. So I'm not super upset about them choosing to bring in Anderson. He's been good. He is a very good reliever. Uh, Anderson was actually drafted by the Brewers in, in 2012, 32nd round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so
0: it's an like- interesting story actually that um, he he was drafted by the Brewers. And they weren't sure if they were going to sign him. They ended up electing not to sign him. He was at, I'm not 100% sure if he was drafted out of Winona State, but I know he had attended there and he ended up playing independent ball. Drew Anderson, who was a scout at the time over that area, um, was in contact with his independent ball coach and said, or manager, and said, uh, contact us if you notice anything. The manager then decided to move Anderson into the bullpen and Anderson saw an immediate spike in velocity. Uh, as a result the Brewers were interested in him as were the Twins those were the two teams that found out right away Doug Melvin said sleep on it a day we'll offer him tomorrow probably Twins went right ahead and signed him Twins ended up getting him they traded him to the Marlins then a couple of years later Marlins traded him to the Rays last year in a deadline deal involving uh, Trevor Richards and uh, Jesus Sanchez who was a, a decent prospect couple guys there uh, and of course the, the Brewers didn't end up having him then as a result. But he was, yeah, a 32nd round pick. He officially went undrafted since he didn't sign with the Brewers, though, in the end.
1: Yeah, no, it's an interesting story uh, from Anderson there. And, and he's been very good out of the bullpen uh, as part of that really good Tampa Bay bullpen. But either way, uh very controversial move. Cash pulling Snell, uh, Dodgers ultimately winning that one and, and winning the World Series, of course, Uh, Clayton Kershaw winning his first World Series championship. I know as as a Kershaw fan, David, I know you were happy to see that. And I was happy to see it too, because Kershaw really is one of the best left-handed starting pitchers of all time. And it would have kind of been, an I don't know, not an asterisk on his resume, but there just would have been a hole on his resume had he never won.
0: The biggest thing I thought, yeah, was, was Kershaw winning. And overall, even though I would say I did want the race to win a little bit more, I'm overall satisfied with the fact that Kershaw got his ring. And even just seeing the joy on his face when they did win that World Series, um, it, was, it was I thought it was a great moment and kind of cemented his legacy as one of the greatest, even period, one of the greatest pitchers of all time.
1: Yeah, no, he really is. I think left-handed pitchers, you could probably go top five. But even if you just look at starting pitchers in right. general, yeah, Kershaw's up there um, as one of the best to ever do it.
0: And moving on to a different page, in some Brewer news, they actually uh, made a few transactions over the past couple of days. They declined the option on Ryan Braun, which we expected to be the case. There's a $4 million buyout uh, from a $15 million option. Uh, If he is brought back, we we kind of expected from the beginning that they would renegotiate a one-year deal, and that still could definitely happen. They also uh, did end up declining the options on Eric Sogard's contract, Jed Jerko's contract, which that one was a little bit of a surprise, and Ben Gamble as well. Ben Gamble is still arbitration eligible for a lower price than his option was. Um, That's estimated what he'd get in arbitration, so that one's not overly surprising. They'll probably just get him at a reduced rate. And then they also outrighted Ryan Healy to AAA San Antonio, meaning that Healy will likely uh, become a free agent.
1: Yeah, biggest news in there. I think Gamble makes sense. Probably going to get him at a cheaper price. Braun was expected. Yeah, I think we expected Gamble makes a lot of sense. Likely going to just negotiate a contract at a lower price. Uh, Sogard, with a a very poor year, expected the Brewers to to opt not to uh, bring him back. And and Braun, like you said, whether he comes back or not, that was also expected. Biggest surprise, of course, was Jed Jerko. I, I don't know if I'm, you know, super upset that they didn't bring back Jerko, but I am questioning what the plan is. Of course, Vogelbach did play very well, but he's not a long-term, you know, option of uh, a, a starting first baseman for the for the year. Like they need to, they need to make some additions. And personally, I like the option of having Jerko, whether we brought someone or not. I don't know. Dual. I
0: agree. I mean, Jerko was our best hitter last year, yeah. and they had an option for four and a half million, and they didn't right. bring him back. I'm not a fan. It's not like this was to- totally isolated either. This seemed like... I mean, Jerko, last year he was bad in 2019. He was also injured though for most of the year. And then you look back 2018, 17, 16, going back, he was really an average player. And An average player for four and, a half million, yeah. first and third base, hits lefties well. I, I think that's well worth it. Even right. in a-, a year where we might have lower payrolls, they aren't able to pay as much because of some revenue losses from this year personally I was I was a little bit upset by that
1: I I would agree I I didn't see I mean we'll see what Stearns cooks up uh big believer in Stearns and what he's done for the Brewers so in Stearns we trust I would say but on the surface not not super happy with that move and like you said 2019 excuse me 2020 offense it was abysmal our best hitter was Jerko we, we we choose to let Jerko go. I, I mean, I'm not saying we're going to see a repeat. Do I think Christian Yelich is going to hit around 200 next year? I definitely don't. But we know that this could happen, that the offense could have another bad year next year. And Jerko is somebody who, in my opinion, uh, was going to be, you know, halfway decent, whether that's a bad off the bench platooning or what that looked like. I, I think that's a missed opportunity at a, at a pretty good price as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say the others, though, Sogard – I I would have been very surprised if yeah. they picked that up. And, of course, you're, you're not going to pick up Sogard, but not Jerko. Yeah. Um, Braun, we expected. That one, of course, we don't know. He may retire. I don't think he's going to go elsewhere. If he does stay on, I would think he'll stay with the Brewers.
1: Yeah, we should probably try to get Braun on the podcast. Maybe yeah. we can check check with him to see what he's planning on doing. Uh, but, yeah, Braun, Braun is still TBD. Of course, we'll be covering that. This offseason, probably the biggest question of the Brewers offseason, just as a Brewers fan. And then finally, of course, Ben Gamble, like we already mentioned, mm-hmm. likely just going to renegotiate for a lower price. But not a bad depth outfielder overall, has performed, I would say, as expected for the Brewers. And Ryan Healy, finally, he said...
0: He had, what, seven plate appearances yeah. all year, and then he started and hit fourth in their uh, game one or game two of the wild card round. Uh, he's, he's, he's depth, so... It's fine, but uh, but I wouldn't say that that was a big surprise. But uh, we're kind of seeing the early stages of what could be a, a bigger roster reshape than we might have hoped. We saw that last year. Of course, it didn't pan out in the 60 games that they had. But, I mean, Stearns can pull off a lot of things, so that, that could be something in the cards.
1: Yeah, Stearns has been really successful. Like I said, a lot of trust. Brewers fans generally have a lot of trust in him. Any moves that you see or that you expect the Brewers to uh, – either make or consider making this offseason
0: i wouldn't necessarily lock in on a specific player um, i think that starting pitcher i would be i would be very unsatisfied if they don't bring in at least one guy who's able to throw in the rotation and then some offense we we know that they're going to bring in somebody they're not going to go with vogelbach Hira, arcia yurias and no backups mark matthias maybe behind there something like that uh, so I'd see it, an upgrade at third base, um, potentially at first base, but I don't I don't know that I'd necessarily give you a name where I'd say, oh, I think that the Brewers will for sure sign right. player A or whoever it may be.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think I would agree. They need to add some starting pitching depth. Of course, we have Woodruff and Burns returning, which is exciting. And then, no question, offense needs some additional pieces. And also, Lorenzo Cain is back, which is, of course, a boost to the Brewers' offense and just the Brewers' team as a whole. Uh, But it will be interesting to see what Stearns does decide to do. You know, like you said, uh, throwing out names, I mean, we're kind of speculating on on who the Brewers might bring in. There's so many different variables. But one guy that would be kind of interesting if the Brewers brought him back would be Eric Thames, uh, who went to the Nationals after the Brewers declined his option last year, which came as a big surprise. Didn't have a good year. Nationals are likely to uh, decline his club option. Actually, maybe even by the time this comes out, that will have happened. Uh, But Thames could become a free agent. I don't know if the relationship is is ruined because it it did definitely seem like Thames was surprised and also offended to some degree uh, by the Brewers not picking up his option. But I wouldn't be opposed to Thames coming back either at first base if if Thames is open to it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would, I would actually be in favor of that if they were able to do that. We don't know if Thames would want to sign. Of right. course, you don't know 100% that his option is going to be declined. Um, and also another option. Again, I don't see this as a, a big likelihood. It's possible that the Blue Jays non-tender Travis Shaw. I, I would actually kind of be in favor of that, but I don't know if we'll see that.
1: I, I'd have to. I'd, I'd vote Thames over Shaw. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Shaw fan at this point. But I mean, Shaw did have a very good year. There's a still a couple. Of yeah, them, Yeah.
0: And I think he also is a pretty good defensive player. He was all right this year. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd be very surprised if they signed Thames and Shaw again. But it would be interesting to see if they did. And I think that that would help their offense overall.
1: I, I could also see maybe Chris Carter bring back, <laughs> bringing what, back yeah. Chris Carter. He, uh, went,
0: he went to Japan the year after he
1: led the NL in home runs. Um, Which so, was kind of crazy, like, I mean, I know he wasn't a very good hitter in general, but he still led the NL in home runs that year uh, for the Brewers, pretty much just hit home runs. Yeah, he is in the Mexican League now. So Interesting. At pretty lower level, correct?
0: Yeah, that's like equivalent of about AAA. Yeah. So I don't think we'll see Chris Carter coming back, maybe Chris Carter, Adam Lind platoon, or maybe throw <laughs> back to the Mark Reynolds, Lyle Overbay. That's
1: right, Reynolds. Juan Francisco, maybe. Russell Brannion? Yeah. <laughs> see if we can just keep going yeah. back. <laughs> Anyways, Richie Sexton. Okay, we'll stop now. All right, so anyways, um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the Brewers news from this week. And then a couple interesting news stories around baseball. Two manager hirings that, you know, were especially notable. Tony La Russa coming back to manage the Chicago White Sox uh, after Rick Renteria and the White Sox parted ways. A lot of people found this surprising. La Russa, 76, hasn't managed in a while, uh, most recently with the Cardinals, But coming out of retirement to manage the White Sox, who also may not fit the style that he tended to manage, uh, do you see Larusa having some success in Chicago? I think that I could
0: definitely see it. They have a talented club, and I think that as long as he's a guy who will more or less get out of the way and kind of let the players be themselves, I don't know if that'll happen. But I could see it, and I'm sure that they kind of tried to arrange that um, to an extent, uh, what's interesting is that Larusa took over in 1979 as the White Sox manager, and actually uh, he did manage against the Brewers because the Brewers were still a member of the American League at the time. Um, that was what 40, 41 years ago. Uh, he, yeah, his managerial career spans so far back that the lineup against uh, against the Brewers that day was Yount, Money, Cooper, Thomas, Liscano, Oglovi. Sal Bando, Dick Davis, who we talked about last week on the podcast, and Buck Martinez. So, I mean, that if you just look at that lineup, that's a, a long ways back that you see. And even nine years ago, Craig Council was a player for the Brewers, the last time Tony LaRusso managed. Uh, LaRusso is already a Hall of Famer, uh, so I think it's it's an interesting hire, but I do think it's better than should the White Sox have hired Hinch or Cora. I know people are saying that those would be better options. I actually like LaRusa better than Hinch or Cora.
1: yeah I personally even if you want to make the argument that Hinch or Cora would make a marginal difference in however you want to measure a manager's success but I don't think it's worth the drama and and the issues that Cora and Hinch have tied with them the, with the sign ceiling sta- scandal uh, in Houston of course and you know speaking of Hinch news also coming out that AJ Hinch and the Detroit Tigers have agreed and Hinch will take over as their new manager. Uh, you just mentioned not a huge fan of, the Hinch, of Hinch over LaRusa. Do you see Hinch having success in Detroit? I think it's possible. I do think it's a little bit
0: of an unnecessary distraction at this point, uh, but I, it seems like the Tigers were kind of zeroed in on Hinch and they were just waiting to see if he was going to get the White Sox job first, since that one was a little bit more desirable. I personally would have preferred a, a higher, like a Ron Garden hire type for a, a club that's still rebuilding. I think that the Tigers are only probably about two years away from contending, but I don't think that you need to bring Hinch at this point. Um, with a lot of the media fanfare that will come with having AJ Hinch as your manager and just some of the things that come beyond that, I thought that th- there were other options that they could have gone to. Uh, and really, I mean, pretty much everyone has a clean slate outside of Hinch and Cora. And I thought that any of those, like. Right. I thought that those candidates. Uh, would have been a little bit better to bring in than Hinch, given the circumstances. It's one thing to me, if you bring in Hinch on a contending ball club, that it really makes a big difference if the manager's better. Personally, I don't think that Hinch is the right guy in this case, but we'll see how it pans out.
1: Yeah, definitely. We'll have to see. And, and Hinch really getting off easy. Of course, with the abbreviated season, that made it even even less. I, th- I think it was John Heyman who tweeted that Hinch really served about a 60-game suspension for being the primary leader behind, you know, biggest sign-stealing science, scandal in baseball history. So Hinch really getting off pretty easy and, and everyone getting off pretty easily. We won't get into that too much. But disappointing as a baseball fan to see um, just a lack of consequences from what was a very big, a, a big scandal that, you know, shook baseball and potentially helped the Astros win a World Series as well. You know, earlier we were talking about some potential free agent targets for the Brewers. There were some notable guys that uh, clubs opted to decline, uh, including Brad Hand, left-handed reliever from the Indians, Charlie Morton, and Corey Kluber. So just a couple of arms there, you know, solid arms. Uh, Kluber, of course, being more past his prime, but Hand, one of the best relievers in baseball, and Charlie Morton uh, coming out also coming out of Houston, speaking of Houston, uh, but one of the better starting pitchers. Where do you see potential landing spots, and, and what were your thoughts on uh, all three of those players' uh, options being declined?
0: I wasn't too surprised about Kluber. I was a little bit surprised about Hand and Morton. The Rays are notoriously cheap overall, and so I wasn't as surprised. Hand, I mean, Cleveland is cheap as well, but $10 million for one of the best relievers in baseball. Uh, he had a 2.05 ERA this year, even though he is uh, into his 30s. He still has, has shown the ability to be very effective. And he's not exactly a guy who just blows fastballs by you, like a Craig Timbrell type that you can see is going to decline pretty steeply. And we've already seen that uh, with the Cubs. He was borderline unpitchable at times this year. Brad Hand actually is on outright waivers. So if anybody claims him, they can have him for $10 million this year. I don't think that the Brewers are going to do that. I would actually see a team like the Dodgers uh, or, or one of the bigger market teams, even maybe like a Padres type, who are looking to build. The Padres have an outstanding bullpen. They could add Hand back, actually. They originally had him. Right. I would see a team like that getting him more so than the Brewers. But it is fun to think about if the Brewers did add Hand to their already crazy bullpen of Hayter, Williams, Knable, Peralta, Suter. You've got basically six really, really good relief pitchers. That would be, I think, one of the best bullpens that we've seen in the last five to ten years better than even their 2018 bullpen. Charlie Morton has expressed a desire more so to go to the East Coast, actually. This'll probably be his last one or two year contract. He's already about 37, 38, uh, so he he kind of peaked late. He was, I think, drafted in 2003, 2004, but you, he didn't really uh, come onto the scene until about 2012 with the Pirates. Um, I, I don't see that the Brewers will be able to sign him. I don't think that they'll be willing to pay the amount that he wants and that he deserves. Um, but it would be a, a, a great addition. The market has a lot of veteran starting pitchers. There aren't many guys that are more like young and intriguing options. They're kind of like your John Lester types or Cole Hamels, um, where they're over the bump, but they maybe have a little bit of value left in there. Morton, I think, is a little bit better than those guys. Kluber, I could actually see the Brewers possibly in an incentive-laden deal, maybe a, a seven, $8 million contract with a lot of incentives. I don't know if that'll get it done, though. It could, it could not. Um, and we'll see on that. But I, I do hope that the Brewers bring in at least one starting pitcher. Um, maybe not quite of that caliber, but of course I wouldn't complain if they do.
1: Yeah, Kluber is intriguing for the Brewers or for any team for that matter. Indians opting to trade him to Texas and then the Rangers uh, opting to uh, let him go as a free agent. So it'll be interesting to see where Kluber lands. Like you said, a, a veteran arm who is a former Cy Young winner and you know could put up a good season. We'll see. Um, But... I think, like you said, I don't see the Brewers being able to bring in Morton. Um, you, you were talking about drafted. Yeah, Morton was actually drafted back in 2002. So a lot has changed since 2002. Uh, he, he's been around Tony a LaRusso while. Tony was actually only in his 24th year of managing. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But, but yeah, Morton's been around for a while. Did peak late, especially in Houston. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Hand, Kluber, and Morton where those arms land because those are some pretty solid arms and three of of the better potential free agents this year.
0: And before we wrap up today's episode we just have the random player of the day and the trivia question. I'll start with the player of the day Neil Walker is today's Um, He actually only played in 149 plate appearances, 38 games in 2017. He became their primary second baseman down the stretch. They did fall one game short of the postseason in 2017. Kind of an unexpected run there. Um, But Walker did perform pretty well. He was not necessarily the reason they did fall short. Maybe Jimmy Nelson's injury was probably the main reason for that. Um, One interesting stat, minimum 100 plate appearances in Brewers history. Um, Neil Walker is the second best on base percentage in a career so 409 on base percentage of course only 149 plate appearances really Randolph is actually number one on that list he had a very good year with the Brewers in the late 80s uh, so Neil Walker today's random player of the day I guess Randolph actually an interesting thing he had no home runs that year 512 plate appearances 424 on base 327 average no home runs interesting you wouldn't really see that today um, but Neil Walker is today's random player
1: Awesome. So, Neil Walker, there's a little bit more of a recent one. I would assume most of you are more familiar with Walker uh, not not too long ago since he was with the Brewers. So, as you may recall, our trivia question today, who was the last Brewers starting pitcher to be elected to an All-Star game? So, David, your guess?
0: Yeah, Brandon Woodruff. I think that's a pretty easy one for me. You might not actually remember that. Um, He did actually get an inning uh, in that game. He was a a late addition to the All-Star game roster that year. And I think actually the last Brewer starting pitcher to start in an All-Star game was Ben Sheets. Yeah. He might be the only one. I'm not sure that there would have been another one.
1: Yeah, off the top of my head, I believe Sheets is 08, if I'm correct, at Yankee Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, 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 that was kind of cool. Um, Yeah, Woodruff, 2019, he was the late addition, along with Yelich, Grandal, Moustakis, and Hayter. They actually had five All-Stars in 2019, uh, to think about that, compared to 2020 and some of those big bats that are no longer there or... Yeah, let's just bat, which was not not which wasn't really there either. But uh, prior to that, you mentioned Sheets starting in 08. Gallardo uh, was elected to an All Star game in two thousand ten. Then you go back to Ben Sheets, and then you go back a, a long, long ways. I was trying to find who who was before Ben Sheets, and you have to go back to nineteen ninety four. Ricky Bonus, uh, the the previous starting pitcher. Uh, prior to Ben Sheets. The Brewers went about 15 years between bonus and and Sheets, but yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of an easier trivia question today, but uh, either way, Brandon Woodruff, last Brewers starting pitcher uh, to be named an All-Star. You know, if there was an All-Star game, you know, if we look at the full 60-game season, uh, who would be your Brewers All-Stars this year?
0: Woodruff, Burns, and Williams. I think it'd be those three. You could make a case for Peralta, but usually there aren't a whole lot of relievers that are on that roster, but I I do think... I mean, for sure Burns, for sure Williams, and then I think Woodruff would be pretty likely. And that would probably be the first time the Brewers had three pitchers on an all-star game right. roster. I, yeah,
1: I, I, I can't verify that. It would take me a little bit of time to, to look, but I, I, I'm guessing that would be correct given the Brewers' track record. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Burns and Williams would be locks. And like you said, Woodruff certainly deserves it. I guess you never know um, whether or not he would, but I would expect all three of them. Josh Hader probably not making the cut this year. And, and like you said, Freddie Peralta as well. Unlikely, Uh, but you never know. Either way, no All-Star game, of course, for 2020. So we'll have to hope for a 2021 All-Star game to hopefully see some of those arms there next year. So David, any final thoughts before we head out today?
0: No, I think I think we're good uh, for today's episode. And it'll be interesting going forward with some of the early moves that we see this offseason. We're already seeing the direction of cutting a lot of costs early on. So we'll see how the rest of the offseason plays out.
1: Free agency has kind of been weird the last four or five years. Um, Some years, teams not really willing to spend money. We've seen less veterans getting bigger contracts. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe we see, you know, a league-wide cut on free agency spending and and maybe teams or the brewers are able to to snag a deal in the market. Uh, Certainly we will keep you covered here. And thanks again for listening and go brewers.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.